Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. part of the course is the whole course. The track has countless areas for bad things to happen. That's going to be for sure one of the highlights of, uh, of the postseason. In just a few days, Charlotte Motor Speedway is about to add to its history. It's 17 turns, it's a road course, it's an oval. Are you ready for the most anticipated race of the year? It is indeed Roval time, everyone. Welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. Marty Snyder alongside Steve Letarte, the Hall of Famer Dell Jarrett, and our brand-new digs at NBC yeah. Charlotte, by the way. The, nice. We're naming the Little Oak Table little now, Oak Steve. Table. The Little like Oak it. Table. Yeah. Yeah. Big Oak Table like on the it. other side of the wall. Little Oak Table in here, you know. I like it. Pretty good spot, isn't it? Cozy. <laughs> Look cozy when they did Wednesdale yesterday, by the way, too. <laughs> so, hey, Dave Burns will join us live from the Roval in moments. But, guys, I want to start with you. You both got a tour of the track this morning. I want to get your, your impressions of the racetrack, what really stood out to you. Hall of Famers always get the T-Box first, DJ. So uh, what did you think? Uh, I'm glad I'm where I am, and it's really <laughs> hard. I mean, everything that we've heard from the drivers, uh, I, I got to see firsthand today exactly what they're talking about. You know, the only thing that would be better to be able to describe it more would be there at speed in the cars and just know. But I can see just how difficult this is going to be, and I think it was Jimmy Johnson there that said that trouble is lurking uh, around every corner, and there's 17 of them, and you really can find yourself uh, in a lot of trouble at all those. So as I look at it and think about it, I found that there are four turns that I could deal with myself. And that's turns 9 and 10 and 13 and 14. <laughs> And that's, the, that's the oval. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So the rest of it, yeah, they can punchline. Yeah, yeah, I'm not very yeah. good there. Yeah. Uh, basically, I was expecting maybe a little more technical road course. When I look at the infield, it looks like it's all second gear to me, which is going to help the drivers. So you look at one, two, three, four, five, all the way through eight is kind of a second gear section. And then the high speed areas, there's some shifting. But what really jumped out at me is, it, this is going to sound shocking, but it almost reminds me of a street course hmm. because there's no runoff. It reminds me of the open wheel cars at Long Beach. And I think that's when everybody says, hey, there's no nowhere to make a mistake. You know, Watkins Glen, Sonoma, I can give you the list of places where you can miss the curbing, miss a, something, spin out, wheel hop, and you end up spun out either in gravel or on pavement and you rejoin the race. At the Roval, I'm struggling to find the place you're going to spin out without some major issues. Maybe coming into that last chicane, if you're lucky enough to get through the turf without any damage, but everywhere else, there's a wall either on the inside or the outside or both. And I think that's what is scaring these playoff drivers is a mistake that would be okay anywhere else won't be okay on Sunday. There's yeah. that one spot we pointed out Tuesday off of turn six. Other than that, you're in trouble. You're hitting a wall yeah. somewhere yeah. or a tire barrier somewhere, no doubt about it. Oh, by the way, the Roval, a cutoff race as well. Four drivers will be eliminated, leaving 12 to continue on to the next round. So basically there's four drivers locked in. You see all the other drivers who are going to duke it out. That leaves 12 drivers for eight spots. Kevin Harvick just needs to start the race, so that's going to make things very interesting 
on Sunday, no doubt about it, Saturday as well. So let's head 15 miles northeast from NBC Charlotte to Concord, North Carolina, and Charlotte Motor Speedway. Dave Burns joins us live from Pitt Road. How's the day at the Roval, Dave? It was very interesting, Marty, and uh, I just had my call drop a minute ago, so if I lose you, I apologize. But the weather you can see now is sunny, and it is hot and humid, just like you'd expect in Charlotte, right? But this morning there was rain. It dampened the first practice just a little bit. They lost some time in that one. The second practice, though, the track was dry, and just about everyone that was here to test got out and made laps, and that was spectacular to see. They, they all got out. They tried to feel out this racetrack and see exactly what they might have. Furthering the weather story, the rest of this weekend is supposed to be nice. Maybe some scattered showers tomorrow, but on Saturday and Sunday for the racing, it's going to be fantastic. So this will be a good chance to really see what the Roval has to offer. What it offered a couple of drivers was a chance to maybe go to a backup car. Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of hard incidents, but Spencer Gallagher hit a barrier hard enough to go to a backup in that 23 car. And the 42 of Justin Marks, I believe it was exiting the infield going onto the banking. He had contact with the wall and the 42 car was done for the day. But mostly it's been a unique experience, guys, and we're going to end up talking to four drivers here coming up on NASCAR America, getting their perspective on the first day of the optional test at uh, the Charlotte Roval. It, it was really fun. Uh, and I know I took that tour this morning with you guys, and there were some very eye-opening parts of the track here for sure. Yeah, Dave, the eye-opening parts to me were some of these curbs that they have out there, and they're different colors, but those blue ones in particular, that will tear up your race car. How aggressive were these Xfinity drivers in exploring those options? Not very. They said to me specifically, hey, our mechanics are really happy with us. Why? Because we didn't go over the blue curbs all day long. Now expect that to pick up a little bit tomorrow during the major practices, two more practices tomorrow. And then, of course, during the race, all bets are off. They're going to be using those curbs. Well, Dave, you know, the crew chief never dies in me. Already starting to look at the strategy. I want to know what they're talking about tire grip. I know when you talk the combination of the high banks and the road course, that's a big challenge for Goodyear to try to take high-speed tires and high-grip tires. Those normally don't go together. So what did you hear from those guys that made laps? Even some guys made longer runs. Yeah, no, it is interesting, Steve, and I think overall the balance on the tire is going to be fine, but one interesting conversation I had was with road racer Andy Lally. He said one of the parts you've got to be concerned about is when you exit the infield. It was that part I said Justin Marks may have had trouble with and, and tapped a barrier. When you exit the infield, he said, you're trying to get up to speed and get as much speed as you can out of the banking in turns one and two, NASCAR one and two, which are now nine and ten, before you head to the chicane. And he said, I spun my tires a couple of times. I can see where if you're really hard on those rear tires exiting the infield you can really make a long run a challenge for yourself all right Dave thanks so much for the time and look forward to all your interviews from the track today and I know it was a fun day at the Roval of course guys Sunday's race will determine if Jimmy Johnson's bid for a record eighth championship continues it's no doubt been a tough season for the 48 team but his fellow drivers aren't counting Superman out yeah, we've been on a roll in previous years. Won 10 races in one season, clearly the five championships in a row. And there are stretches where we've been able to just do the unbelievable. Looks like Superman won. I feel like we still have those moments out there ahead of us. This is the longest he has gone without a win in his career. I don't think it's the end of Superman. He's always going to be capable of being a dominant race car driver. You don't have the success that he's had over his career. You don't forget how to do those things. No, 
Jimmy is uh, far from done. You know, they've maybe not had uh, the year that they've wanted to. Jimmy Johnson fixing some of that damage, trying to pull the fenders out. I mean, eventually there's new young talent that comes in or other guys start to figure things out that you know can take uh, Superman and kind of you know, hold him down just a little bit. But there's still that opportunity that they can go out there and shock everyone. And Jimmy Johnson enters the Roval six points behind. You see him there in 14th position, one of those four drivers below the cut line having to advance and uh, having to make something happen this weekend at the Roval. Steve, straight up, I just want to know from you, does Jimmy Johnson advance to the next round? Nope. I would love to get the seven-time champ in the next round, but when I look at his road course numbers, he's 0 for 6 for top 10 in the last six road course races. He's going to have to find points. I think it's going to have to come in the stages. Um, the only window of hope is I think his experience will get him through if it is a chaotic race with a lot of accidents, DJ. Yeah. But if everyone kind of minds their P's and Q's and stays on track, I just don't think they have the raw speed to drive up there and contend for the points he needs. Yeah, I agree. I think experience may be the one thing on his side. I don't think that he makes it in. And as crazy as this may sound, though, I think that this Roval actually gives him a better chance than if they were racing the mile and a half oval the way that they performed this year. So uh, he may have that, and I think it's because of that uh, experience of being a seven-time champion that gives him that chance. So as, we, as you look at the bottom four, who's the biggest surprise among the bottom four? Because I think a lot of us kind of had Boyer advancing pretty far, Denny Hamlin advancing pretty far, Eric Jones had all this momentum coming into the playoffs, and they're all three in the bottom four. So I think Denny being eliminated, I don't think he can make up 29 points. I think his, his playoffs are coming to an end. That's probably my biggest shock. Um, Jimmy, he was going to be a coin flip. Jones, kind of young. Boyer, you expect him to run well, but you just never know. Boyer's kind of a streaky driver, so if he kind of got on a cold streak, which is what happened. So I think Denny's my biggest surprise at the bottom. I, I'm okay being in the bottom four, but he's a long ways at the bottom. Yeah, and that has to be the biggest surprise to me there that I thought I didn't know – didn't have Denny going all that far unless they made a lot of changes and, and got their cars better during racing. They found speed, but that speed's not translating to good finishes. And, and I think that when you look at that, but I think Clint Boyer, I believe, is going to get in and, and continue his march because I think that the next round is much more favorable to him. Uh, and – I'm one that had Eric Jones going a long way uh, in my, my yes, playoff. Yes, uh, to the championship, <laughs> championship four. four. <laughs> so uh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me that his first two races, and obviously the one at Vegas, uh, he got caught up in someone else's problems. But uh, seeing him sitting there uh, with a, a pretty insurmountable uh, points deficit there, Sunday, I think it's going to be difficult for him. But Denny still is the one because we really expect him to get through a round or two without having any problem, and that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, I have Boyer moving on as well. I think he's going to make it four points. Um, listen, his personality is a lot like mine. I can't think of anybody that can manage the chaos better than Clint Boyer. Yeah. And I have two names written down. I think it's going to come down to Austin Dillon and Alex Bowman. Those two are going to be battling to see who advances and who doesn't. Those are two names that seem to always end up close to each other on the speed chart. We talked a lot about Denny Hamlin there. I talked to Mike Wheeler earlier this week, and he said, we have to win. Then he kind of backed up, and he said, you know what? I don't know. He said, there could be six guys in front of us that wreck out in the first stage. It's a completely different game for us then. Do you buy into that, Steve? I love the fact that he is not planting his heels in the ground with a must-win because 29 points, it is leaning towards a must-win, but the stages have changed anything, everything in playoff racing. Without the stages, absolutely, because you can't wait. you got to kind of attack. But now 29 points. DJ, 
it, we have no idea, right? Well, you and I were just yeah. talking about this before the show. If you look at that map again, out of turn one, into turn two, down into turn three, there's a wall on both sides of that racetrack. It is reasonably narrow. And I'm going to tell you, and on the original start or early restart, if someone gets into that right side wall in turn two, comes across the racetrack, you can be looking at a Talladega size accident. Mm. Lots of cars involved. Yeah, I think there's a number of things. Three top threes uh, in the first and second stage and then a top three finish gains you a lot of points. That puts a lot of points on the board. So that adds pressure to the other guys. You don't need any more pressure to make mistakes at this place. Plus, look how many people are going to finish on the lead lap because of how long and how big this track is. If you have any kind of problem late in, it might not have to be an accident, uh, just getting out of line and falling back or a flat tire. And so points can change in a hurry. This isn't going to be decided until that last lap is over. And if I'm Denny Hamlin, I'm testing everyone, everyone's mental approach. I have nothing to lose. Every corner, I'd be, I'd be just letting you know that. Look, I, my patience is—they're gone. It ran out last week. So if I was another playoff driver, he'd be a quick wave by in the first two stages. We talk about the top four being nothing to lose. So you kind of feel like Denny, kind of in the same boat. Nothing to lose the opposite way. They're so yep. far behind, they've got nothing to do but win the race and Difference advance themselves. Denny has a lot more to gain. That's a very good point by you. So, hey, next on NASCAR America, reports are out that the decision has been made on the 2019 Aero Package for the Cup Series. Our Nate Ryan joins us next with the latest, plus we'll get Tony Stewart's thoughts and also more live from the Roval all ahead on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles. you guys i can't wait for this weekend by the way dj does have his alarm set for 2 30 a.m to catch the Ryder cup at 3 a.m on saturday so got that right got yes. that right i know that's have some coffee so. before they get started playing. <laughs> yes. exactly right so hey speaking of waiting the much anticipated decision on the 2019 rules package for cup is reportedly out our nate ryan's been all over today nate joins us with the latest nate what are you hearing well, uh, Marty, NASCAR isn't prepared to officially comment on reports yet about the 2019 rules, but in talking today with some representative teams and NASCAR, the expectation is that they are in the process of finalizing the 2019 rules. The final version hasn't been sent to teams yet, but NASCAR is planning to announce them early next week, probably in a news conference at the R&D Center. And that comes after soliciting opinions of drivers and teams and manufacturers, and based off all that feedback, at about half of the races on the 2019 schedule, NASCAR will use a rules package similar to what they used in the All-Star race this year that's intended to bunch up cars and enhance passing. But there will be some important distinctions with this package next year, the most significant of which they won't be using a restrictor plate. They'll be using a tapered spacer on the engines to reduce horsepower along with some aero ducts. And it's expected that the package will be used again at roughly half the schedule, mostly mile-and-a-half to two-mile tracks, that uh, all-star race style package won't be used at short tracks, one-mile tracks, and also won't be used at some other big, bigger tracks like Pocono and Homestead Miami Speedway. 
We'll find out more about that Tuesday. Nate, I, I kind of want to know, when this first kind of came up and the topic came up, there was a lot of backlash from the garage area about this. Has there been a warming up to this package? Did our owners now behind this and saying, yeah, let's do this for next year? Yeah, Marty, I think really there has been, Marty, with NASCAR soliciting, again, the opinions of drivers and teams and, and the manufacturers involved. I think that that's why you got the tapered spacer uh, compromise out of this. I don't think teams wanted to have restrictor plates at 18 of 36 races because of the engine cost and all of the um, R&D and everything that would go into that. So I, I think there were, were some changes made based on the feedback, and I think that's why you, you'll see uh, drivers and teams come out uh, a little bit happier about where things stand heading into 2019 versus a few months ago. All right, Nate, excellent job as always. Appreciate the work. By the way, Tony Stewart had a reaction to this. He was on Sirius XM NASCAR radio earlier today. Here's what Smoke had to say. I was not in that room. I, uh, I don't meet the minimum age requirement for that group, unfortunately, <laughs> for the owners. But um, when you get that many owners involved, it's the same thing we saw in IndyCar with, when, when CART was around. I mean, you get all the car owners involved, and at some point, the car owners are they're always going to vote for what's going to benefit them. They're not going to vote for necessarily what's going to be best in the big picture. So I've always... Uh, in my conversations with NASCAR, I, you know, I tell them to kind of stick to their guns of what they think's the best for the sport, not necessarily, uh, you know, what's best for the individual teams. And that's what you have to be careful of when the teams are voting on things. What does it cost to do that? I, I think it's there's much more to it than what the fans realize as far as doing a package like that, because now you're developing a motor for that package. So all three manufacturers have to worry about development costs for motors. All right, guys, a lot to digest there. Steve, your reaction, if this is indeed used at half the races, as Nate said. Uh, well, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, it's more complicated than just the aerodynamics and just the engine. You're going to have to get Goodyear on board. They're going to have a tire that has to match what they're doing now. If they do go to that type of package, the end of the straightaway speeds will be lower, but mid-quarter speeds won't really be any less, so you still have to handle the grip. Um, and more than anything, I think that... Um, once it's announced, it's out there. It's a lot like this coming road course. We heard a lot of drivers complain about it, but tomorrow the trucks unload, DJ, and these guys are going to go on the road course, and some guys are going to go on a playoff, some guys aren't. Well, next year there's going to be a victory lane every Sunday and a champion crown at the end of the year, and I would suggest that the drivers, it's okay to voice your opinion, but at some point you just have to go to work. Yeah, the main thing is you're never going to make everybody in that garage area happy, from the owners to the drivers to the crew chiefs. Uh, you're, you're just going to have to take a stance and, and say, this is what we're going to do. NASCAR, I, I applaud them for taking this stance. They're trying to make uh, the racing even better uh, for the fans from, from that side of it. The drivers, you know, they perform at their highest level every single week with what they have to work with. They'll figure this out. They might not be happy about it, but they're going to figure out that, hey, this is a part of next year, a big part of it, and, and we're going to have to go figure out a way to try to win races with this. The one thing I'll say with all this, I appreciate what they're doing, not putting the plates on them. Uh, as I look from the outside, the thing that I would encourage, the next move that I would encourage is to take a lot of the downforce away, cut the quarter panels off with everything being stuck to the ground, take the, the side skirts off of these things, make these cars a lot less aero-dependent and suck down to the ground to where, yeah, we're reducing the horsepower, but let's make it to where they're really hard to drive. That way they're not just running wide open around all of these places.
Hey, yeah. take the spoilers off of them. <laughs> that would they be interesting, wouldn't it? That would be a lot of fun. Very interesting for the drivers, especially, right? So, again, that official announcement expected next Tuesday. Back to the Roval Talk as the Xfinity Series playoff drivers get ready to go left and right this weekend at the Roval. One to watch, Austin Sendrick. He was fastest in the first practice at CMS today. And he also finished a career-best second on the road course at Mid-Ohio last month so certainly one of those guys to look for this weekend and he finished 13th at richmond that puts him seven points below the cut line but some of his rivals think cindric could be a sneaky favorite at the roval who considered be a dark horse in these playoffs i think austin cindric tell you why road course in the first round uh he could win the roval and get himself to the round of eight he's extremely uh, good road course racer and he's in the 22 car the entire time Dean Penske has very good equipment, and Austin's been learning at an incredible rate. It, it's very easy to forget how short his time in, in stock cars have been. Austin Sidrick with things well in hand. I feel like I have the best potential to be an, an underdog, and I, I come at that in a few different areas. I feel like the car I'm driving is, is without a doubt one of, the, one of the best in the garage area, so um, the ball is in my court in that scenario. It is Austin Sidrick. He gets into the back end of Grella. Uh, I could find myself in a similar position as last year in the truck series, being, being the dark horse, being the underdog, and climbing from the bottom on the playoff board each round. And uh, it's, it's not easy, I can tell you that, but who knows, maybe I'll find myself in championship four. For Austin Sendrick, it was a one-two day, fastest in first practice, second fastest in final practice. What did you learn today? I learned that I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Okay. I think everyone expected to have fun running laps, uh, but running in the race is going to be a, a different beast. Uh, there's pretty narrow, pretty narrow track, a lot of walls everywhere. Uh, it's going to be tough to pass, so I think qualifying is going to be super important. Uh, a lot of different strategies and agendas going into, into stage racing with the playoffs. So uh, I'm excited. I think we have a shot to win. I'm excited because these guys did an awesome job preparing our money line Ford Mustang to be fast right off the truck. And honestly, we, we didn't have to tune on too much today. So I'm, I'm proud of that and uh, going, going to the weekend swinging. You've raced all over the world. There must have been some other experience. Can you tell me a story about, hey, I got to a track for the very first time. There were walls everywhere, and we handled the day? It's like a street course, man. Yeah. It, it really is. Uh, if we weren't inside of a permanent facility, I'd tell you we're street course racing because there's so many different surface changes, camber changes in the road, things that if you were going to build a racetrack are extremely unnatural because this this was a parking lot for the motorhomes during the Coke 600, yeah. and now it's a racetrack. So it's they're all things that are unnatural, so you have to be able to compromise your car, compromise your driving in order to deal with that. And then you have the chicanes with the huge curbs um, and 40 hungry drivers all with you. So it'll be it'll be an interesting race for sure. And I was wondering, how much abuse do you think on those curbs your car can take? Uh, right now, my mechanics haven't complained. <laughs> so. I'm taking that uh, as far as I can take it, but uh, the, the chicane leading on the front straightaway on to start finish line, I mean, you'll, you'll have two wheels off the ground, you'll have some air time, it'll be, it'll be good. Saving tires, keep them off the ground, you can save tires. I like that. Guys, uh, mechanics are happy and the driver's happy, he's smiling, he's fast. And a, a good point by Dave there, because Austin's a, a kid who's run the Roval, if you will, at Daytona. Mm -hmm. He's run street courses before. How much will that experience pay off? Well, I think it's going to help because he already is talking about the penalty that's going to be paid for a mistake, right? He said there's walls everywhere, there's curves everywhere. The big difference, though, these guys on Saturday, so on Sunday we're going to be talking 109 laps, the longest road course race of the year. 
on Saturday, 55 laps. I mean, that race is going to a blink, and you're going to be half over. We're going to see how quick the intensity ramps up. Yeah, I've said, I think anybody that's raced at Daytona in, in this uh, format kind of uh, has an advantage uh, because you have a little bit of knowledge of what that's like. I think for Austin Cindric, he probably goes in as the favorite, but he needs to just drive to what his potential is, not to what everybody else's expectations are. That's where he gets in trouble. Very good point. Coming up, we'll hear from another Xfinity Series playoff driver, Justin Allgaier. Won the regular season title, but Richmond was not what he was looking for. He'll look to rebound at the Roval. The busy Dave Burns talks with him next. Xfinity Series teams had two optional practice sessions today at the Roval. Here's a very slow look at what drivers see when they go around the Roval. Justin Allgaier hoping to get back to victory lane. He's had a career year, and certainly road courses have played a big part in that. Justin Allgaier is going to come from behind and win in Mid-Ohio. Awesome. Heck yeah. We've been good this year, and to do it on a road course is even better. There's your Road America winner, Justin Allgaier. I never would have thought we could have had a dream season like this one. Two road courses, would you believe that? Seems like every road course we go to for Justin Allgaier this year is a bonus. How about the Roval after today's test? Well, it's interesting. You know, I think for us, you know, what we typically see on a road course is very different than what we're seeing here at the Roval. You know, obviously having majority of this, this racetrack being used on the, the, the regular mile and a half, it poses some challenges we're not used to seeing. So really proud of this seven team, um, having Vinoy Construction on the car this weekend. We're looking forward to try to get them to victory lane. Um, it's going to be a challenge, though. We're, we're going to have our hands cut out, or our work cut out for us, our hands full, and we worked really hard today in practice. Just working on short runs, long runs, me getting laps, just getting myself acclimated to the racetrack, and this team did a great job of making adjustments to, to make me comfortable. So that's really what it's all going to be about is getting comfort in the car and being able to push yourself for you know the entire distance of the race. Part of the track that took you four or five tries, you really needed a few shots at to get right. Really, the, the whole, um, I guess that would be the whole north end of the racetrack on, on uh, the turn three and four NASCAR side. Uh, so basically from turn 11 all the way until uh, 17, I really felt like I gave up a lot of time through those corners. And, and it was it was more so just things that we were doing. You know, some of the stuff that we tried to, to make our car faster through the infield section really hurt our car through those high speed sections. So, you know, it was trial and error. Try things that, that you know, obviously fail. But when you hit on something good, you, you realize it really quickly. So, you know, for us, uh, we had a bad weekend last weekend at Richmond. Uh, even though we had some bonus points stored up from the regular season, you know, we wanted to start off this, this Xfinity Series playoffs with a bang and, and uh, not the bang we were hoping for, though. So, you know, we want to come here and we wanted to get that comfort level so that we can go out and complete the race at the full duration and, and hopefully not cause any of our own mistakes and let everybody else, uh, let everybody else try, to, try to make theirs. So we'll see what happens. Marty, hopefully 29 laps on track today, having a little bit closer to a good Saturday at the Roval. All right, Steve, if you're Jason Burdett, you're 21 points above the cut line. You have the bad Richmond. You win the regular season championship. Is there no need for panic on this team? Dover is one of their best racetracks, and it's next week, and you've got another race in this round. Yeah, I mean, I actually, they're my favorite for this race and, and really has nothing to do with his road course success this year and not even really their speed. But I think the biggest improvement that Justin Allgaier, Jason Burdett has made as a team is managing the races, even though they're very short races. Uh, they remind me a lot of Elliott Sadler a year ago, right? You didn't drop the green and say, man, Justin Allgaier is the guy today. Rarely have we said that. 
But between adjustments, between not panicking, between attrition, next thing you know, we just saw it um, a couple weeks ago, you know, at, at the at the mile and a half track, next thing we know in Las Vegas, here he is racing for a win. We thought the 42 had him covered, and he gave himself a shot. That's what Justin's done all year long. I think that's exactly what this track is going to need, so he's my favorite. Definitely no reason to panic. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say panic, but I, I would say there's cause for concern because there's just so many unknowns. The, the word that keeps coming up from every driver is interesting, and that's what it is. It's going to be interesting to see how they navigate through this. I go back to the fact that you're still going to have a lot of these Xfinity cars finish on the lead lap. If you have any kind of problem, if you try to push it too much, or if somebody else gets into you and you had nothing to do with it, you can lose 10, 15, maybe even 20 positions, which is a point at a time if you're racing trying to get into the next round. And, yeah, Dover's a great track for them, but... Jeff Gordon, myself, and many others that thought it was a great track for us encountered a lot of problems at that tough racetrack, even in a 200-mile race. So one thing that's interesting, when you look at how the road course may lay out for the Xfinity guys and when they may pit, if I was Jason Burdett, I would be looking at the end of Stage 1 and Stage 2 because if I can get 7 or 8 points yeah. in either of those, forget the end of the race. Yeah. If I can bank 16 points right there. extra time because everybody's talking about pitting one time. I'm working on Round 2 of the playoffs. So my point is if I can just get a chunk of points in both stages – then when that problem yeah. happens at the end, yeah. someone else's problem, you can say, ah, look at us. We put some in the bank. Well, we had some, some points available. I don't think he's going to be the first driver to tell us from turn 11 to turn 17 were the problems for him <laughs> from that backstretch chicane. Is it bad that I still yeah. have to look at my map? Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. you're getting used to it. <laughs> You'll get there. Backstretch chicane all the way back to start finish yeah. line. That's a problem for him. Well, Christopher Bell is already on to the next round of the Xfinity Series playoffs. Well, Daniel Hemrick wants to join him there. We'll hear from both of them when we come back on NASCAR America. And if you're going to tracks this weekend, make sure you're there for NASCAR America Fan Friday. Always fun. Look at these guys. That's always a good time, isn't it? We, we got to get out. We got to get you out there, Steve. Yeah. yeah they do such a good job. I think <laughs> doing. That's Friday at 6. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back, Steve. We've got a busy weekend, don't we? Oh, man. Tons of practice tomorrow. Then we have Cup qualifying the fan edition. What yeah. could be better than sending fun. Rut back out to the fans? <laughs> and I think that that Saturday, you mentioned it, DJ, that may be the most watched Xfinity race by Cup drivers ever. They're all going to pay attention. That's because on Sunday, that final race, that cut race for the Cup guys, and it's on a track they've never run on. It's amazing how much work has gone into preparing the Roval. They, you probably don't think about any of this stuff, but... Look at that, all the caution lights. Look at that, how many gallons of paint they had to put in. Well, we went out there today, and we were half joking because we were talking about the track and how it's going to race, but it looked great. Yeah. I mean, what a nice job. The facility, uh, the fan opportunity, they have camping inside the Roval. In that infield section, there's a walkover bridge. I can't think of a better seat. Plus, what they say, um, the panic patio, a new bar in turn three. <laughs> That's my kind of place. Uh, yeah. yeah, that might be where I watch while y'all are talking. <laughs> but they, they, I was just impressed at all yeah. the thought and effort that they have put forth to make this a success this weekend. On Saturday, the host the Xfinity Series playoffs. One driver not feeling the pressure. Richmond winner Christopher Bell. Earlier, he spoke with Dave. Hey, Marty, I caught up with the only driver who has been sleeping this week because he won at Richmond. That's Christopher Bell. How are you feeling now after a day on the Roval? Well, I'm off the pace, that's for sure. So that's not the greatest news. But my car's in one piece, and my guys are working on it. So... That's really good. I get to go home and sleep on it and get more practice tomorrow. So I think uh, we're all in all, we're in a really good spot here. Uh, really just 
I feel like the majority of my speed is in the chicane, just not attacking hard enough. So uh, hopefully I can pick up a little bit of time there and be in the hunt. How would you describe the risk or reward back there at the chicane? Well, that's the thing, you know. Uh, we've been working really hard on getting my car to drive really good through the, the infield part of the racetrack. It's really slick over there, and you're always struggling for rear grip. So I feel like we made really good games or good gains on our GameStop Camry there, and uh, I just got to drive in a little bit deeper, accelerate a little bit harder, leaving the chicanes, and I think we'll be right on par. So, so let's say you find yourself in the top 10 after qualifying. What is the agenda on Saturday for you? So the good thing for us is we get to the only thing that matters for us are two two stage points that we get for winning and then the five bonus points if we win the race the rest of the points don't mean anything to us so whatever it takes to get those two stage wins and win the race we're able to do so i think a lot of our competitors are going to be worried about short pitting the stages to uh, collect points and stuff like that where if we're not in a position to win the stage we can short pit make up track position and hopefully hold them off at the end so uh, right now we're in a really good spot to, to be aggressive and try and win the race and that's the only thing that matters for us so we're going to give it all we have. Marty, 17 turns to watch and maybe that many agendas on Saturday. There is nobody happier that he won that race at Richmond than Christopher Bell because he'll admit he's not the best road course racer on the planet. Yeah. But he is, he's in, so he doesn't yeah. have to worry about it. Listen, there's playoff points available, yeah, right. but he's going to have a good time regardless. So how relaxed he was there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Meanwhile, Daniel Hemrick still looking for that first career win. And considering the fact that he's from Kannapolis, North Carolina, he would love for that win number one to come at the Roble. Dave also spoke with Daniel earlier today. Hey, guys, I was looking at the timing sheets, and I noticed they said optional practice session one and two. Are you glad you did it? Absolutely. Um, Anytime you get on the racetrack, it's good, let alone a completely new racetrack to all of us. So, uh, from what I've gathered from all the Xfinity Series drivers, we had a good time trying to figure out this robo configuration. Challenging, as, as all the other Cup guys have said. So, uh, it's going to be an interesting time, but I'm glad we all got to take advantage of the opportunity to get on the racetrack today. What part did you feel like you could attack, and what part did you feel like, man, I'm going to have to use some restraint here? Uh, you got to use a little bit of all that everywhere. Um, you know, it's definitely risk versus reward. Um, thought when you can make a lot of hay through the backstretch chicane there uh, on the backstretch big track, you can make a lot of time, but if you overstep that, there's no room for error, and that's kind of the concept through the entire infield is you go all the way to that edge, but you know once you overstep that edge that you don't really have a lot of recovery. So just trying to balance that. It's going to be a mental game, keeping yourself in the game and uh, having a race car to race with. That's what it's going to be all about. And have you take us a little deeper on that chicane. So you're on the banking. It's all comfortable. We're back on the oval at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Oh, but wait. Now you're going to have to go full bore into the chicane. How do you set it up? Uh, just trying not to overdrive the entry is what I think all of us have figured out. Um, you know, mentally, you think you got so much room on the entry so you can carry a lot of speed. But uh, with all the markings and, and all the, the painting that's going on to, to make it a road course style racetrack through all those sections and all the effort SMI and, and here Marcus and all these guys have put in, your eyes are trying to adjust all this stuff. Next thing you know, the room you think you had has went all the way down to 20% of that. It narrows up, and you've got to be mindful of that. And uh, Oh, trouble. <laughs> and be mindful of anywhere, Brendan gone. Yeah, I know. If, uh, come on, this is live. You're killing me. I know. <laughs> so, if anybody watched the last road course race, this guy right here did a good job of running me off the racetrack. So, not being around him is going to be a key to all this, but uh, definitely, definitely got to be on top of it. Uh, I noticed, by the way, the three car had some scrapes on it. The 21, not so much. That's right. The only caveat is he sponsors the car. That's so I right. guess if he wants to run it off the track, he, 
He has the right to Not do that. Drivers have I to guess. have to go in that that route where you're racing your sponsor. Yeah. There you go, Uncle Brenny, always having fun. Hey, DJ, <laughs> I want to know from you. So it's a very interesting point with Daniel Hamrick. The focus all year long. When's that first win going to come? You had that talk swirling around you for a long time in the mm -hmm. Cup Series. How do they not let that distract them from trying to win a championship? Well, I never thought that my first one might come on a road course, so I didn't have to worry about <laughs> right. that. And, yeah, yeah. and I think this is a tough place to think about that. Right now, your focus has to be, look, this is a difficult place. We don't know what to expect. The focus has to be how do we maximize this weekend and make sure going into Dover we're in a good spot to move through the playoffs. The playoffs are what it's about, winning a championship. If that first win that he gets comes at Homestead to win the Xfinity Championship, he'll be perfectly fine with that. I think it's just uh, minimizing any damage this weekend and getting the most out of it. Well, and not to put more pressure on the first win that he's hoping to find, when I look at Daniel Hemrick, the one number I continue to see is the lack of playoff points. And I agree. You know, this is a team that – so, look, I think no one's guaranteed, but we look at Christopher Bell, man, we feel pretty good about his position to try to make it to Miami. Justin Allgaier, we think maybe he can make it to Miami. But then there's another group of drivers, and Daniel's one of that group. Yeah. To stand out, you have to have some playoff points. And I think that when you talk about the stages, we talk about the first win, there's a lot of ways to gain playoff points. They'd be good for Daniel Hemrick to do. And I wrote down one word, fitness. When I went around that place today, I know there's some long straightaways, but I think that infield section is going to have those guys kind of gripping the wheel. I think fitness could come into play. And he's running double duty, so right. double yeah. laps. Well, and, and those laps could help him, I think, certainly, sure. being in the cup car this weekend. And he doesn't get the opportunity very often. Just second start for him in the cup series. So yeah. that's going to help. Most tracks, I think that's a good talking point. But this is the <laughs> one that I'm like, I think you could learn a lot. There's yeah, sure. a lot. And, it's, you know, potential weather. One thunder shower tomorrow eliminates a little bit more practice. You never know. All right. Well, what are fans thinking about the roller? Well, we'll talk to Sirius XM NASCAR Radio's Pete Pistoni, and he'll tell us when he joins the show. That's next here on NASCAR America. Ah, the Roval. Practice starts tomorrow. Looks beautiful, doesn't it, guys? But I, I think the drivers are going to think it's rather vicious. It's those little tiny white lines that you can barely <laughs> see the walls. That's the blue gonna, ones, yeah, the yeah. curves. That's uh, going to get everybody's that's attention. That's going to get everybody's attention. Yeah. Hey, can so it looks be deceiving? Yes, they can. <laughs> yes. Yes, as you guys said, looks pretty. So, hey, for more on what we expect this weekend, let's welcome in Pete Pistoni from the Morning Drive on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Pete, have you ever encountered a race in your career with more hype going in? You know, I got to think, Marty, all the way back to 1994 when NASCAR first went to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the first Brickyard 400. But even in that case, I don't remember the drivers being as nervous about the race that's coming up at the Roval. I can tell you this. The listeners of Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, for the most part, are really excited about this because it's something new. It's something different. It's something they don't know what to expect. I think just that alone, we haven't run one competitive lap out there, guys. But on Thursday before race weekend, I think this is already a home run for NASCAR and for Charlotte Motor Speedway because of the energy that's been surrounding this weekend. Well, I couldn't agree more, Pete. I think that that second race, that second date, the fall race at Charlotte, was getting a little stale. I don't think the fans were supporting it. We didn't see crowded grandstands. My question, you kind of half answered it right. So I always hear the, the fans on your show say they want more road course racing. Now I've heard the drivers say they're not a big fan of this track. So fast forward to Monday. Without a doubt, there's going to be a playoff driver eliminated for something that happens on the track. He's going to blame the track. Where do you think the fans side on a Monday morning? I think the fans in this case, Steve, are going to side on the racetrack. And just what I said, being different, that they want it to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. Now, there are some fans who don't like the fact that this is going to decide 
part of the championship. And I had somebody say, well, this is like if the NBA Finals played game three on the hockey rink. Well, I sort of get that. But the other side of that is it's the same for everybody. And I think we'll just go back to the fact that you see, you hit it right. Fans want more short tracks, more road courses. They've been given one, a very unique one. And it's one that I think if it causes chaos for the most part, I think that's what the fans are looking for. And they're hoping to get that both Saturday and Sunday. Well, I'll tell you what, DJ, and I'll, I'll remind all those drivers there was 26 weeks to glean playoff points yeah. and two other races in this round. So <laughs> this wasn't there. a one-and-done type of thing. Yeah. Hey, Pete, the thing that I look at and think about exactly what's happening here this weekend, I know that you probably have your fantasy group picked out, but I'm not asking you to give us all of that. <laughs> Just tell us, who does this racetrack, this uh, Roval, uh, favor this weekend, and who would you think uh, should come out the winner here? You know, DJ, that's a great question. I've been looking at it, and I don't know where to go. Usually for fantasy, you can look back at past performance, and we don't have any of that. I look at, well, should I look at road course racers? Should I look at Watkins then? Should I look at Sonoma? I'm not 100% sure about that. The one guy whose name just keeps coming up, for whatever reason, is Jimmy Johnson. And Chad Canal said on our channel this week, he's giddy about getting there because he thinks that the way this track is laid out, it's suited for Jimmy Johnson and for him to do well on Sunday. So, Take that for what it's worth, but I mean, what, but, you know, a dartboard, a Ouija board, you, you name it. That's what I'm going to use to pick my fantasy team on Sunday morning. I think. Hey, Steve, some new or uh, Pete, some news today, and Steve and I and, and DJ were just talking about a moment ago. The 2019 rules package appears to be set for NASCAR. Nate Ryan telling it's going to be used in half the races next year. Uh, we've heard what teams have had to say, drivers have had to say. What have fans said about the quote-unquote All-Star package and maybe having it for almost half of the races next year? Yeah, it's really early, Marty, because as you said, that just came out today. But, I mean, after the All-Star race, our phones were lit up. People wanted more of that. That was the best All-Star race they've ever seen. Why aren't we doing it for the Coke 600? Now that we're going down that path, it sounds like there's a little trepidation from the fans. And quite frankly, I'll go back to what I was just talking with Steve about. When drivers say things, sometimes it shakes the minds of the fans. And we've heard drivers like Brad Keselowski, Kyle Larson. We don't want this because it takes it out of our control. So I think the fans are a little divided on it right now. So until we get that on track and see what kind of racing it creates, I think then we'll have a better gauge of what the fans actually think about this new rules package. So, Pete, I want to give you and the Bagman props. You guys had a fantastic show earlier this week with uh, the, the Hurricane Florence fundraiser. Kind of tell us, for those who don't know about it, what went into the show and kind of what came out of the show as well. Yeah, we're glad we could just play a really small part uh, of that, Marty. Uh, the NASCAR Foundation, Feed the Children, got together. We did a little radio found, if you will, on the morning drive. We had a lot of drivers. Uh, Mike Helton from NASCAR was on. Joey Logano was on with us. Jimmy Johnson. Kevin Harvick made some donations. And then all of our listeners made donations. In an hour's time, we generated almost $100,000 just for mm -hmm. that. It's continuing to go on. If you go to NASCARfoundation.org, you can get more information on it. But it's another example, guys, and you know this. In times of need, this NASCAR community just steps up over and over and over again, and we were really happy to play a very small part of that and can't thank everybody enough. Well, Pete, thanks so much. As always, we enjoy our weekly visit with you and look forward to talking to you next week. All right, guys. Take care. All right, man. And, and Pete's right. I mean, it, it's amazing how the NASCAR community always rallies. And this one's yeah. a little closer to home for most of the NASCAR teams because it is in North Carolina and South Carolina. But they rally anywhere at some half like that in the country. Yeah, and it's hard to believe. I mean, the coast is only a few hours away. We're lucky here. We missed most of it, but definitely yeah. bad on yeah. the coast. Great work by them, too. All right, coming up, we'll check in one more time live with Dave Burns at the track from the Roble. And how do you pick a fantasy team for this weekend? DJ just asked it. We'll show you our picks and 
maybe laugh. I don't know. We'll see what we pick for this weekend at the Roval. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. All the planning, all the preparations, all the anticipation, it's all led to this. NASCAR playoff weekend at the Charlotte Roval. It's here, Dave. Marty, it's going to be a good one for sure on Sunday for the Cup Series and also on Saturday for the Xfinity Series. Behind me, the Xfinity Series garage is closed and locked. They are done for the day. They'll be back on track tomorrow at 1 p.m. That follows the initial practice for the Monster Energy Cup Series. They'll be on at noon, which will be fun to see. I want to draw your attention to a couple of uh, drivers in the Xfinity Series for Saturday. First of all, Austin Sindrick, who we talked to. People are calling him a dark horse for the championship, but I think he's now become one of the favorites for this Roval, and I think that's because of the reasons we've talked about. He's familiar with street courses. He knows how to run a place like this. That also goes for a real dark horse that I want you to keep your eye on on Saturday. That's Alex LeBay from Canada. Why do I say that? He's a 2017 Pinty Series champion, and they race on street courses in the Pinty Series. He's raced at Toronto. He's raced at Trois-Rivières, and he's had success there. Hasn't won, but he has frequent top fives, so keep your eye on the number 36 of Alex LeBay. Last thing, Marty, impressions from today. I went up to the booth to watch the practice and to see some of the lines and some of the sight lines that fans will see from the grandstands. Yeah, they'll see the whole track. One of the most interesting ones for me is exiting the turn four regular oval and coming down to that final chicane. It's a sweeping look that is fantastic to get a view of. The other impression I got was you're going to want a pair of these on Saturday and Sunday. Why is that? Well, unlike an oval where you're kind of able to see just the pace of the race, the flow of the oval. On this Roval, you're going to want binoculars so that you can watch every move of the drivers, especially when they're on the infield there. So, Marty, I'm recommending if you're a fan and you're buying a ticket and you've got a seat in the grandstands, get some of these. Very good, Dave. Appreciate all the work today. Dave, the workhorse at the racetrack. Do you have your binoculars, by the way, for the booth, Stevie? Oh, listen, we have uh, uh, Jeff Burton and Dale <laughs> Jr. in the booth. So we, we, I just got to tell you when I think they're going to pit, and I'm going to have my feet kicked up listening to the drivers call the action. Yeah, now, Dave's been there from sunup to sundown all day. <laughs> He's done a very good job. Nothing's happened out there that Dave doesn't know about done today. done a very good job. Very proud of Dave. So, all right, let's talk about this fancy thing. So many unknowns, so many questions. Let's take a look at our lineups. I don't know, I don't know if this is good advice or not. I don't know. I mean, but DJ, well, here's yours. I'm bad every week, so how am I supposed <laughs> to get this right? But I did throw one in. I really hate that I'm giving up because I think I've really hit on something here. But I'm taking the drivers that have won the last four races with Kyle Busch and uh, Brad Keselowski there. Mm -hmm. Jamie McMurray, good road racer. And Michael McDowell is outstanding road racer. And how can you go wrong by having Kevin Harvick in the garage there? I would, I would agree with that. I, I think you like Kyle Busch during the race. A lot of Kyle Busch. I took there. Kyle Busch and threw out everything. Yeah, but who knows? Well, I like Kyle Busch as well. I think Martin Trex Jr. has run well at the road courses. He's going to break through Suarez and Almendinger. So I'm going to take two. We talk about silly season. I'm going to take two drivers that are in the middle of silly season. A lot of rumors around Daniel Suarez, A.J. Almendinger, perhaps trying to find a ride. Why not go win the final road course race of the year? Prove to another owner that you could be the guy. And in the end, you go below Iowa as well. I think Kyle Busch is something about nothing to lose in a chaotic race and adapting. He's the kind of guy to do it. Well, I'll go with Kyle Busch. I took Truex a little bit more than you guys did. Obviously, very good at the road courses. I feel good about what he is doing. And, and I put Chase Elliott in my garage. What I've been doing is I've been putting 
a, uh, a regular driver, a driver outside the playoffs in my garage, by the way. So, and, and we don't want to get out of here without saying congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Larson. Yes, this was last night. Finally, Kyle Larson and uh, longtime girlfriend Caitlin Sweet getting married. And they're the first people, by the way, who can say we spent our honeymoon at the Roval. That's all for NASCAR America. Cup cars on the track tomorrow, noon Eastern. You don't want to miss it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.